Thank you, choir, orchestra. That is wonderful. I've enjoyed this so much today, I think every day ought to be Mother's Day. The little girl was watching her mother do the dishes, and as she watched her, after a while, the little girl said to her mom, Mom, why do you have those white hairs in your head? And she said, well, honey, every time you don't obey, every time you do something you shouldn't do, well, then one of the hairs in my head turns white. The little girl said, oh. Is that the reason grandma's hair is white? <laughs> well, whether your hair is white or some other color, or maybe you don't even know what color it is. Today is Mother's Day and we celebrate our mothers. I, in my devotional time, I'm reading through the book of Hebrews right now. And, and there are two mothers who are mentioned in chapter 11. There is Rahab. You probably are not as familiar with Rahab. She was the harlot in Jericho who hid the Hebrew spies. The thing that is interesting to me about this woman, this woman who was a sinful woman, is that she is actually listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Her life was changed by the Lord. The other mother that is mentioned there is Sarah. She was the wife of Abraham, the mother of Isaac, and she is going to be the subject for the message this morning. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, and uh, look with me beginning in verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had accumulated in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, thus they came to the land of Canaan. As we look at Sarah today, I want to begin with she was faithful as a wife. Now the reason I begin there is because a woman is a wife before she is a mother. I have a friend who pastors in Dallas. He was telling me that he and his wife had been planning a little trip. They were going to get away for a few days just to rest. So they told their children that they were going to be gone for a few days and the children said, well, mom can't go. What do you mean mom can't go? Well, she has to take me to ball practice. She has to take me over here. I have all of these things that are going on. Mom has to stay here to take me to these things. And Sammy, my friend, said, yes, she's going. You see, she was my wife before she was your mother. Now, as I look at this passage of Scripture, I see that Sarah was faithful to her husband, Abraham, and he was faithful to God. Now we see the instruction given to Abraham in verse number one. The Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. So God said to Abraham, Abraham, 
I want you to come with me. I want you to leave your home. I want you to go with me to a land where you have not been. Then he made a promise to Abraham in verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to come with me and go to this land where you have never been. And I am going to make a great nation of you. And he did that. Abraham is the father of Israel. So God made a great nation of him. And then he said, I am going to make a great name for you. And he did that. Abraham is revered by Jews, by Christians, and by Muslims. So God said, I want you to do this. Here is the promise I am making to you. And Abraham was obedient in verse 4. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. So he left everything, everything with which he was familiar he left his home, he left his family, he left everything behind and went as God had told him. And the Bible says that he went in faith, Hebrews eleven eight. He went out not knowing where he was going. So whenever I look at the passage of Scripture, I see that Abraham was faithful to God. And I see that Sarah was faithful to her husband. It says there in verse number 5 that they set out for the land of Canaan. In fact, her response is more admirable to me even than his, and his was impressive. The reason I would say that is this. Let's say that your husband came home and said to you, I'm going to sell everything, quit my job, and we're going to move to a goat farm in Montana. What would be your response to that? Because that's essentially what Sarah heard. How was she able to do that? It was because of her respect for her husband. Understand that this did not come to Sarah by divine revelation. God didn't say this to her. God told Abraham to do this, but he didn't tell Sarah. So it is not a response of divine revelation, but respect for her husband who was obedient to God. In fact, the scripture says in 1 Peter 3, 6, thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Isn't that wonderful? In fact, I, I told Linda, I said, Linda, if you want to be a godly woman and you want to be like Sarah, then you should start calling me Lord. Now, I have not convinced her of that, but I think that that is something she should at least consider. So, Sarah had respect for her husband, who was a godly man, and because of her respect, she was willing to be submissive to his leadership. I, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe Sarah understood that submission is not automatically a sign of inferiority. See, that's a problem we have with submission. When someone says something about submission today, we do not want to submit because we understand that to mean that I am inferior to the one to whom I am submitting. But then I would say to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and Philippians chapter 2, 
The Bible says that Jesus submitted to the authority of the Father, and yet he was equal to the Father. See, Jesus and the Father, Father and Son, they were one, they were equal, and yet in their roles, the Bible says that Jesus submitted to the Father. Maybe she understood that this was an opportunity for her to set an example for those who look to her later because, ladies and gentlemen, the truth is our children model what they see in us. Not what they hear from us, but what they see in us. I know that my daughter, who is up in the choir, and my granddaughter, who is over at Village Church, model largely after what they see in my wife. See, that, that's, that, maybe she understood that. That the way we live our lives is important because our children are watching what we do and they model what they see us do. So Sarah was faithful as a wife, but then she failed as a person. She was a wonderful example, but she was not a perfect woman. You know, God said to Sarah and Abraham that they were going to have descendants. That was another promise that God had made to them, that they were going to have a child, that they would have descendants. Well, Sarah didn't exactly believe that was going to come about. In Genesis chapter 16, verse 2, the Bible says, So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid, Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Now, how did she come up to this suggestion? Where did that come from? Well, it was rooted in doubt. You know, Sarah really didn't believe that she was going to have children because of her age. The scripture says in Genesis 18, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. So whenever she looked at herself, she thought, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to have a child. They're getting close to 100 years old at this point. And so you're talking about having a children. In fact, the Bible says when she heard this, when the angel came and announced this, the scripture says that she laughed. In fact, she named her son Isaac, which means laughter. So she didn't believe this was going to happen. Her suggestion was rooted in doubt. She blamed the Lord for her barrenness in Genesis 16 too. So Sarai said to Abram, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. In other words, I don't have any children because the Lord has seen to it that I'm not going to have children. So she, she blamed the Lord for her barrenness. Thus she came up with a human solution. In Genesis chapter 16, 2, please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. You know, the longer I live, the more I realize things never change. Here was a promise from God that you're going to have a child, that there are going to be descendants born to you. Sarah didn't believe that was going to happen, so she came up with the suggestion because she didn't believe that it was going to happen. In other words, Sarah was trying to help the Lord fulfill his promise. Do we do that? I mean, if God is not going to come through, I don't want him to be embarrassed. I mean, I'm trying to protect God from embarrassment, and so I come up with my own solution so that God might look good. 
As I read this passage of scripture, one of the things I noticed was the, the power that a woman has simply with her suggestion. The influence that a woman has. I've heard Linda say on several occasions, Wendell is the head of our home, but I'm the neck, I turn the head. <laughs> a woman has an incredible power, influence in her family. And we see that with Sarah here. She made the suggestion, I know it was unusual, but she made the suggestion to Abraham. He thought it was a good idea, Genesis 16, 2. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. And I don't know, had, had he done that before, but he does this time. He says, I think you might have a good idea. But the, the point that I'm trying to make, though, is the influence that she had. When she made the suggestion, she had influence. Women have influence. Even in the Garden of Eden, the Bible tells a story about Adam and Eve, how Satan tempted her. He tempted her with the forbidden fruit, the fruit that God had said, you are not to eat the fruit. She was tempted with that. The Bible says that she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes to make one wise. So she was tempted with the fruit. And then the scripture says that she took it and then she gave it to her husband and he ate. A woman has incredible influence, and ladies, uh, you have great influence. There's a lot being said about women, especially today. And how I thank God for the contribution that women have made in my own life, to the church, to the kingdom to this world. But ladies, you can have a negative influence. It really is a, a tremendous responsibility, I guess, because so much of the spirit of the home is controlled by the woman of the home. And you can have a negative influence in your family, in your home, or you can have a positive influence. Thomas Edison wrote, I did not have my mother long, but she cast over me an influence which has lasted all of my life. If it had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should never likely have become an inventor. How many of us can say that? That it's because of our mother's influence that we are where we are today, that we do what we do today. Ladies, I would simply say to you that you have tremendous power, you have tremendous influence. And it can be negative or it can be positive. Now when I look at Sarah's influence, I see that her influence, her suggestion was a failure because it was not of God. And so she had this idea as to how she was going to salvage the promise of God. And it was carried out. But then I see that as a result of it, that she resented her husband. The scripture says in Genesis 16, 5, And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. She was the one who had suggested it. And yet now she says, But may the wrong done 
done to me be upon you. She resented her husband and she resented Hagar and Ishmael. In Genesis 21.10, therefore she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son. So when I look at Sarah, she was a she was faithful wife, but she failed in this part because it was rooted in doubt. Now, perhaps you examine your life today, and as you examine your life, you may say that, you know, there's a, there are places in my life where I, I know that I have failed because none of us is perfect. I mean, none of us has done everything right. I certainly haven't. None of us does everything right. So you might say, well, I've, I've, not been, uh, I've not been as submissive as a wife as, as I should be. I've not been as supportive of my husband as I ought to be. If my husband came to me and said, we're going to move to a goat farm in Montana, I would probably say, well, I hope you enjoy it because I'm not going to go with you. Maybe you would say, well, you know, I'm not as pleasant a person to be around as, as I should be. One of my favorite stories, I told you, but act like you've never heard it, even if you have. There was a man at work, and he was not getting along with his wife. They were having a lot of conflict in their relationship. There was a man with whom he worked, and he and his wife just seemed to do great together. I mean, he was always talking about his wife and the things they did. They just seemed to have a perfect relationship. And so the guy who was not getting along so well with his wife said, you know what? What, what is it that, how do you do that? Because my wife and I, we have a lot of conflict, a lot of problems. And how, how do you do that? He said, well, once a week, he said, I go home and take her flowers. He said, I grab her and kiss her, tell her how much I love her. And uh, she, he said, I do that regularly. He said, I do it at least once a week, every week. He thought, well, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to try it. So he went home that day. He got some flowers. He went home. He went in the house, his wife was back there, he walked up and handed her the flowers and grabbed her and gave her a passionate kiss and she just began crying. He thought, what in the world is wrong? And she said, this has been the worst day of my life. She said, Johnny got up this morning to go to school, he fell off his bicycle, broke his arm, they called me at school, I had to go down, take him to the doctor, got his arm fixed, I came home, when I got home the washer had run over with water was everywhere in the house. She said, I slipped in the water and, and I fell down and, and hurt my back and now then you come home drunk. <laughs> well, I'm afraid sometimes that might be the way that we would respond to those things. Maybe you look at yourself and you say, well, you know, I am, I am, I am not as submissive as I should be. I'm not as supportive as I should be and I'm not that enjoyable to be around. Maybe you feel like that I failed as a wife. Maybe you feel like that you have failed as a mother, that you would say, well, yeah, I'm a terrible example for my children. You talk about women and mothers being good examples for their children. I'm a terrible example for my children. You ever feel that way? I sure do as a father. I think, and I'm so grateful. My, my, my children are so much better than I am. And I'm glad of that. But, you know, we, we look at our lives and we say, well, you know, I've just not done well. I've not, I've not done well as a spouse and I've not done well as a parent. Ruth Graham wrote in one of her books, the children misbehave. 
I reprimand them more sharply, more probably peevishly. The very tone of the voice irritates them. Do you ever feel that way? I just irritate the thunder out of those kids. I'm not a good teacher, I've not been a good teacher to them. But folks, here's the truth. We're not perfect. We don't do everything correctly. I don't and you don't but we're still responsible. See? We're still responsible for the role that God has entrusted to us. So when I look at Sarah, I see that she was faithful as a wife. I see she was a failure as a person. And then I see her faith as a mother. In spite of our failures, Christian mothers are people of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Sarah's unbelief was pardoned and her failure was forgiven. And she is remembered as a woman of faith. By faith, Sarah conceived. Even though these things that we've talked about, that she was not a perfect woman, she didn't do everything perfectly, but she is remembered as a woman of faith. I look at Eve, and we, you know, the truth is we beat Eve up pretty, pretty effectively, don't we? You know, I mean, Eve, why did she give that apple to, to Adam? She should never have done that. But the question is, why did Adam do it? You know, I mean, he was complicit in this thing. I'm, I'm getting a little aggravated, to be honest with you, that people who accuse someone of something and they're complicit, but some, Adam and Eve were both involved in the fall. But she is remembered as the mother of mankind. She had failure in her life, but she is the mother of mankind and also a woman of faith. You may not be perfect, ladies, you may be, not be perfect. That does not mean that you are not a woman of faith because you must be. You see, our focus is not on our failure. It is on his faithfulness. The scripture says that Sarah considered him faithful. She considered him faithful. Focus is not on my failure, not on your failure, but on his faithfulness. And God was faithful to Sarah. He strengthened her to conceive, the Bible says, beyond the proper time of life. You know what that says to me? I mean, that's encouraging to me because it says it's never too late for God. Whatever you're facing, it's never too late for God. Some of you look at your marriage and say, my marriage is just about to fall apart. It's just holding on by thread. Can God do anything? Yep. One of my favorite uh, verses or passages of Scripture is in uh, Revelation chapter 2 when it's talking about the church in Ephesus. And the reason that I use this is because that Jesus compares his relationship to the church as the husband's relationship to the wife. And uh, he begins here, Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus, and he says to the church, he says, you've done a lot of good things, but I have something against you. And he pointed out that, that the church just didn't love him like the church once did. 
And so Jesus gives the formula for restored love. He says, remember from whence you've fallen. Remember the good things about your mate. Repent. Stop doing the things you are doing. And do the first works. Let me say to you, if you're having some problems in your marriage, go back and begin doing the things you did when you first began to love each other. Focus on those. Go back and do some of those things. We get so far away from them. Go back and do those things you did when you first began to love each other. It's not too late for your marriage. There are some of you who have problems with your children and you, and you would ask the question, is it too late? No. My father died. I was away from the Lord. My father died believing that I would come back to the Lord. Don't ever give up on your children. Keep on praying for them. Keep on believing. Keep on encouraging them because it isn't too late for the Lord. Sarah was nearly 100 years old when she delivered her child. It's never too late for the Lord. She was a woman of faith. God is faithful to you as he was to her. So let me say to you, you might have failed in life, and I'm sure you have, we do. You see those, those issues in your life, and you say, this, this is an area where I fail. We all have those. Why don't you determine today that I'm going to go forward from here? Don't just spend all your time looking back to the failures. Look to him who is faithful. So determine that you're going to go forward from today faithful to him and trust God to do his work in your life. Let me conclude. You can be a faithful person. Sarah's remembered as a faithful person. You can be a faithful person. You can be a faithful wife. And you can be a faithful mother. God, give us Christian homes. Homes where the mother in queenly quest strives to show others thy way is best. Homes where the Lord is an honored guest. God, give us Christian homes. That is my prayer for you. That you have a Christian home, a home that is built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And that today you look to his faithfulness, not to your failure. Go forward in the Lord's faithfulness. Our gracious Father in God, we come to a time to examine our lives, to allow you to speak to our hearts. And I pray, Father, for those who are having struggles, maybe no one knows anything about them. I pray today that they would look to you and find you faithful. Father, I pray that you would restore some of those things that are broken. Lord, that you would fill their lives with great hope and anticipation and faithfulness. Bless each mother as we honor them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand, extend a, an invitation. The choir will sing. But if you're here and you've never committed your life to Christ, let me encourage you to do that today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. We'd love to have you. You come. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.
seated. Maybe seated. Maybe seated. Maybe seated. Maybe seated. 